Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. And spirituality and ancient wisdom has been teaching us this for eons. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Awakening Together with Mary Reed. Welcome, Mary, back to Awake to Oneness Radio. This is Mary has been my guest three times, and uh, actually, uh, Awake to Oneness Radio hosted our first live event featuring Mary Reed in last October, October 2016, right here in the Poconos. So I got to meet Mary in person, and that was such an honor. Welcome back, Mary. Thank How, you, thank you. Namaste, namaste, namaste. So nice to see you again. It's so nice to see you. Always, always a pleasure, pleasure to see you. So please, Mary, please fill us in. I know you're you're a busy lady, <laughs> and <laughs> and you might maybe for the for the listeners that are not familiar with you, who may not have seen our other shows together, you might want to just give a brief introduction of who you are and then fill us in on what what's you're, you're up to nowadays. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so my name's Mary Reed and I am what I call an unwitting mystic. That's the name of my book, Unwitting Mystic, The Evolution of Love, The Evolution of the Message of Love. I never say that tagline anymore, so I forget that that part's on there. Uh, and I'm a former executive from Washington, D.C. that now leads mostly a monastic life in India. And that's because of these unexplained mystical events that started happening nearly 17 years ago and ultimately just sort of flipped my world upside down. And uh, in 2011, I finally surrendered to that calling. And um, was there was a whole series of events that ended up just leading me to a monastic life in India. So that's where I spend most of my time. I released my book in 2014, and each summer since then, I've come to the United States and, and done, for the most part, just sort of brief tours. Last year was a very big tour, mm -hmm. and uh, this year I'm not really touring, but I had about uh, 10 or 12 talks that just sort of came up and doors that opened quite easily. And the reason I wasn't touring this year is because when I came to the States this year from India, um, it felt like there was just this earthquake still going on here, and it looked like a nation still in PTSD. There was a lot of shock, you know, sort of uh, shell shock still. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized that I'm not, I didn't want to go try to lift people out of where they were at this point, because people really needed to continue feeling what they're feeling. This is a very important time of honoring the truth that we feel in this sort of chaotic time. And um, so I didn't, I didn't set up a tour this year, but a few talks sort of came up, um, just invitations here and there. And through that, I was able to find a good way to start talking to people about what's happening, start voicing my view of what's going on in our world, um, and give sort of an inspiring perspective that maybe isn't quite so visible or readily available to most people here. So that's what I've been doing. Um, since I last saw you, uh, I was in, I wrapped up my tour. I was in 30 cities last year, including your area, which I was there, I remember, with John Smallwin, which was yes. such a delight. And then oh. I was up, John hosted me up in New England as well, which was great. And uh, then I finished my tour here. I went over to England and did a couple of things, and then in France. And I was in France for three months, just kind of recovering from all of that. And then I was uh, in India for four months. And during this time, I've been working on the screenplay for um, the movie. My book is being made into a movie, which is wonderful. And uh, the screenplay is making its way through the festival pipelines right now, which has been really great. So still working on that. It's a beautiful work in progress and learning everything about the movie industry, which has been quite fun and really nice to be doing so in a spiritual context. And the producer that I'm working with is this beautiful heart-centered spiritual guy um, so lots of good things going on, and wow. I'm happy to be here now in this, uh, 
in this climate in America, I'm probably not going to go back to India this winter, but I'm staying here for the time being. We'll be working on some writing and um, preparing some things for next year because I think the world is now ready for me to come out on a more regular basis here and not just in the summers. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes, and please, please now share. I, I'm very interested to hear you share about what your perspective on what's happening here in the, and especially the U.S. and and which ripples out to the world. You know, every where no man is an island, no country is an island. It all is interconnected. So that's mm -hmm. what that's what the oneness is all about. So please share with our listeners. Yeah, and actually, I use um, that idea of oneness in my talks. Now, on Saturday, what's I don't know what Saturday's date is, the 16th uh, or 17th or 18th? Eight, eight, like the, this coming Saturday is the 18th, and this show will air Friday evening on the 17th. Okay, we, so yes. Saturday the 18th, I will release a copy of the most recent talk that I did, which really talks very clearly about what I see happening. And the title of that talk is Coming Home to True Love because this is what I see happening in our world right now. And in that talk, I use four origin points that I've experienced in my metaphysical um, events to show, to tie it all together to show what I see happening. And I talk about the origins of existence um, in terms of what our sort of grand purpose here is, and that is the exploration of all of our godness. And I give a, um, a recap of that. And then I talk about the origins of Christianity and Buddhism and the messages that were revealed to me uh, through those insights, literally through Jesus and Buddha themselves. And then ultimately, it's all tied together with the last origin point in the loop of human suffering. And that was the basis of my talk last year, the, the whole suffering basis of our good trumps bad model of life. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how that leads to our suffering, that what we think of as love is actually a form of rejection um, because we're not trying to really use love to heal our pain or the things that are expressions of pain, like our fear and our judgment and poverty and war and all these other things. We're not really using love to try to heal that. We're using love to try to conquer that, to try to make it go away. And that's not love, that's rejection. And rejection is the very thing that sets us up for our belief that we're separate from oneness, from God. And uh, so this is, the, this is the story that I tell in, in my talks. And the way that I show what I see happening now um, in terms of everything that's up for our viewing and our feeling right now, all of these expressions of pain are really here because we have done such a remarkable job of increasing our awareness uh, and presence of divine love over the last 100 plus years, but really accelerated over the last few decades. And we know this because of all of the signs of divine love that are present, right? There's lots of conversations about unconditional love now. There's lots of movements towards equality now at rocket speed relative to what it's been for eons. Yes. There's lots of movements towards freedom of expression to be who we are as we are, look what's happened with our internet and yes. the transgender community and all kinds of things that are ushering these things in all of these kinds of teachings and discussions around oneness and unity now yes. all throughout the planet. And then all of this discussion and teachings around acceptance of what is right. The power of now. So yes. all of these things have been encircling the planet more and more and more. And as they've done that, they've opened up the, um, these energy flows around our planet for all of that pain from deep within humanity to come up to be met with that response of divine love that we're all learning more and more and more. And this is what's happening. This is what I see happening in our world. And I'll tell you how I use the concept of oneness um, to, to really bring it all home, mm -hmm. to really anchor this in. And I will tell your viewers, this is really uh, talked about in more detail in a video that I made called Wake Up Enough of Them, which I made after Charlottesville, when I was watching okay. people really struggle after Charlottesville. So your viewers can go check out that video if they'd like. Okay. But the way that I, I talk about oneness is quite different than most teachings. And, um, but I find it really simple and really helpful. And in my view of oneness, I can ask you, for example, Caroline, I can, I can ask you, where do you see me? 
where do you experience me? And, mm. and now when I ask this in an audience setting, of course the audience would naturally say they see me on a stage or they experience me on the stage. But what's happening here is nothing except that you're only seeing me or experiencing me inside of you. It can't yes. be any other way. You're taking in these impulses, these reflections of light, and you're interpreting them, and you're coming, with it, coming up with an outcome that tells you dimension and size and space and all of these sorts of things. But all of that only happened inside of you. And I share with my audiences a story of how I know this very intimately. Um, and that is, uh, a few years ago, I was getting ready for bed. I was wearing a pink top. And I took off my top and I laid it over the back of the chair. And then I turned around and I walked across the room and something made me turn around. And when I turned around, the room was now just the energy field that we all exist in but normally can't perceive. And I've seen this energy field many times. It's the usual infinite continuum of colors and directions and speeds and uh, patterns and all of these sorts of things. But this mm -hmm. time, there was a different dimension or an added dimension to it. And that is... I was watching, I'm at one with this field that I can see. I'm totally at one with it. But this time I'm also taking in this field. I can see it going in through my left eye and it's traveling through my nervous system. And I can watch it travel. And as it's taking in these patterns and interpreting it with these patterns, everything starts to coalesce and mm. pixelate into the reality that makes me believe that I'm seeing pink in the shape of a top on a chair over there. But all of that happened within me. Mm -hmm. I'm at one with the field that's being interpreted, the collective patterns, if you will, and I'm at one with the being that's interpreting these patterns with other patterns, so my internal awareness, and I'm also watching the whole thing. So I am all of the oneness of life at one time. This is what we're all doing. This is how we're all experiencing existence but we normally can't perceive all of that. Wow. So yes. we can take that understanding even further. And I can say, if, I, if you close your eyes and I stop talking, then you only have a memory of me. But where's that memory? It's inside of you, yes. right? And if you close your eyes and I continue talking, then where do you hear me? You only hear me inside of you there's nothing happening outside of you it's either visual or auditory or feeling if you bite into a carrot the taste of that carrot is inside of you you're having an at one experience your taste buds are sensing that as an out one, at one experience the taste of the carrot's not in the carrot you can't experience the taste of a carrot that's in the ground because you're not at one with it if i were to take my cold hands and put them on your arms what you feel is coming from the sensations on your own skin because you're at one with those sensations, right? You can't feel that coldness on my hands if I'm standing at a distance from you because you're not at one with me. If I were to tell you that I saw a terrible car crash on the way to a talk, you might have empathy for the car crash victims, but you didn't have any empathy until you had an internal awareness of something that required an empathetic response. So the way that you're experiencing life is the at-oneness of life. Everything that is being experienced, you are at one with. And this is what uh, I see happening right now when we think about, if you understand all of that oneness, think about what's happening when you see other people's hatred, right? Where do you experience that? Inside. Inside of you. Where do you process it? Inside of you. Where's the only place that you can respond to that inside only inside of you and everything that we're seeing in our world right now regardless of how wide the continuum is every speck of pain that we're seeing is crying out only for one response it's all the same response and that response is the presence of divine love within and this is the home to which everything is being called right essentially all we're doing right now in our world is we're all calling ourselves home. We are that home to which everything is returning because we're the only place where we can respond to all of this pain. And so this is what I'm sharing with the world right now. This is uh, my take on what's happening. And then I also share an exercise on how to identify when you're responding to life from the mental constructs and when you're identified with responding to life from the 
the divine presence within. So also on Saturday, I will release what's called a box exercise in which I can help people sort of walk through that very easily to find that presence of divine love within. So I encourage people to find that after they listen to this show. Awesome. That's wonderful because this, like I said, this show will air Friday night. And so they can Saturday morning, they can go look for it. it. Yes. Awesome. It's important to try to put, Try, try to provide something tangible for people now um, rather than just something intellectually that they can try to figure out and try to fit it in with their life. I think it's very important to give people some tangible tools to use right now. And um, in my audiences, uh, the 10 or 12 audiences that I've spoken with, everybody's been very happy to have something tangible to work with. So I'm yeah. glad to be able to do that this year. Actually, that is so cool. That is so cool that you just mentioned that because I, I agree with you a thousand percent. As you were talking, um, what came up for me is I, it, years ago, I've seen so many signs. I'm really, what woke me up to the truth of oneness is science. It was uh, yeah. quantum entanglement, a film, the film What the Bleep. That is what woke me up to the truth of oneness. And um, so I watched a lot of, after What the Bleep, I watched a lot of science films on quantum physics. And it, it speaks about exactly what you, you've experienced it personally. But it speaks about that in, in, in many science documentary, how everything is happening within us. There is nothing outside of us. That was so cool. But also when you speak about... Um, tangible tools. I actually just um, bought one, <laughs> a, a new tangible tool. It's Hemisync um, a video, uh, meditation, Hemisync meditation. I just purchased the other night. I have many, you know, um, guided meditations, but this particular one using the Hemisync technology, which is uh, um, technology that kind of syncs up both hemispheres, that's why it's called hemisync of the brain as you are listening to a guided meditation, um, I could feel the difference immediately. It was like, oh, nice. Real powerful. I could like, wow. Yeah, it just, it really took me to that, that centered, that relaxed state real powerfully, much quicker than other meditations. So I, I understand exactly what you mean when you say giving people tools that can, can help them achieve this, um, this understanding that you're speaking of, of the oneness, knowing the oneness, experiencing mm -hmm. the oneness, because it is true. That's why I say with this show, all I can do is inspire someone to awaken to the truth, but the truth comes from within them. And it resonates within, like it was something that woke up. And I, I use those terms. When I woke up to the truth of oneness, it was something inside of me that woke up. And, right. I, and I experienced it. And that's right. what, that's that experiential aspect of it is what gives us our knowing mm -hmm. of, of that. So mm -hmm. it is, wow. You know, um, a couple of things. I First of all, I heard you in your introduction say what, whatever you do to somebody else, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And so when you think about this oneness, you know, where are you experiencing things or whatever, it's so true. And so whatever you project out into the world becomes the awareness that other people are experiencing of themselves, right? So we're mindful about our own presence. But the other thing you mentioned is this entanglements, the fractal entanglements, <clears throat> which reminds me of one of the other things that I share that's helpful for people to think about the impact of their own willingness to do their own work, to go in and uh, willingness to be that presence of divine love, which is ultimately my takeaway message from last year and this year both, is your willingness is what matters, right? Because once you, once you question whether or not you're willing, you'll find all of the ways, if you're really honest and radically transparent with yourself, all of the ways where you don't feel like you're quite ready. <clears throat> but all of that makes you sort of question, well, why do I feel this way? Why am I in this place? But anyway, one of the ways that I, I help people think about the impact of their individual willingness and work is to use an example of conflict energies. And the way that, uh, so from a metaphysical perspective, we can think about um, vibrations of energy can look like threads. That's pretty easy to imagine that a vibration looks like a thread. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> When you think about energies of conflict, 
from the metaphysical perspective, they look like knotted threads. It looks like that, not, that thread is very, very knotted. And in the example that I give, we can use, let's say that you and I have some kind of conflict mm -hmm. and, um, and you did it, by the way, it's all your fault. And that, <laughs> so let's say that you've done something terrible to me and I'm so mad and you're, you're really you know, enraged about it as well. At what that looks like between us then we have this knotted thread that's wound around you and it's wound around me and as we walk around in our lives in this um, these energies of conflict with flame and anger and resentment and all of this sort of stuff we're just pushing and pulling each other uh, against each other and we're knotting that thread up even more and more and more and then I'm on my end in my world telling people how terrible you've been in this situation. I'm just taking these little subsidiary threads and I'm tying it around everyone about, oh my goodness, you would not believe what Caroline did. And you're on your end doing exactly the same thing. Oh, look what Mary did. She did this and this and this. We're both doing it on our ends. And now what's happening is that we're in this massive entanglement of knotted threads. The conflict energies are knotting all of us up. From a planetary perspective, this is what we have looked like. We've just looked like one great big bundle of entangled energies. And as you can imagine, that doesn't flow, right? It doesn't vibrate very high. It can't. Right. But in this instance, in this example, if I, in this situation, I take my time, I'm really willing to go in and look at the, the behaviors within my own self how I have responded, how I have behaved, what I have said, and most of all, what I've tried to reject within me in terms of the pain. Because mm. it's what we do with pain. We reject it, right? What I've tried to reject. And I get to this point within me of pure forgiveness. And that's not forgiveness of you, because that would be me judging you that you did something wrong. This is always only rejection of myself, of the way that I've perceived things or what I've tried to reject in the process. When I get to that point of pure forgiveness within me, what happens to that knotted thread around me is that all those knots just open up and now they begin to flow and that thread just falls away entirely from me because now it's flowing. And as it opens up and it flows around me, now you have nothing to push and pull against with that thread. And so it just begins to fall away from you as well. Mm -hmm. It's doing the same thing with all of the people that I've wrapped my subsidiary threads around. It's falling from all of them. It's doing the same thing now with all of the people that you wrapped your threads around. And now all of us are in this massive flow of energy and openness, all because I did my work. You see, from a planetary perspective, this is also what's happening now as more and more and more of us have gone in and done this work of really going in and being in the divine presence within. We have opened up these channels of, of energy to flow deeper and wider. And this is what has created the openings for what is in the pain of deep within humanity to come up to be met with the response of that divine love and healed. This is what this is the whole crux of what's been happening in our world and where we're at right now. I find it such an exciting time to be in the process of seeing everything that's up right now and us now knowing that the, the way that we heal this is to respond differently than we have before. That we respond from this deep, authentic place of beautiful divine presence within. This is what I see happening. I love that so much. I love what you shared about the forgiveness. The forgiveness is going within and forgiving that aspect within you because like you said if you're saying oh I'm gonna forgive this person again you're 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 saying okay well this person did something wrong and I'm gonna forgive them you know, but it's it's all coming from within you so it's about going within and forgiving that knowing that whatever you're experiencing that other person is not separate from you and then the other person is a reflection of you so there's a reflection of you that needs that healing and so when you look at a forgiveness as going within and healing that aspect of you and not putting blame on another i love that because mm -hmm. you know that is so true that's so well, true. We can put this in a different way. You know, we have this we have this conditioned way of looking at everything we don't like and we label it 
under a value category of either good or bad. And in my talk, you'll see on the coming home to true love, you'll see how I talk about we set this paradigm of good trumps bad up. And uh, this is the suffering cycle, this good trumps bad. And that everything on that negative side of the equations are all of the things that we're trying to get rid of, our fear and our judgment. And we love labeling those things and we love rejecting them. That's what pisses us off. That's what we try to you know, resist. All of these things that are on that side of that equation are just the different versions or expressions of the pain that we experience because at some level we feel like we're separate from love. Mm-hmm. We, still, we, we believe in this separation consciousness. And so when we think about if we were to replace every single label that we have, fear, judgment, arrogance, pride, boastfulness, if we were just to replace every single one of those with the word pain, this is their pain coming at me. Mm-hmm. We, would, we would recognize what we're rejecting. If we were to imagine, so in my, when I, the metaphysical event that I used to talk about all of this last year, I talked about um, an experience ultimately of getting to this place where I could see all of the pain um, that was being carried in each of the, the separate things that we label negative, you know, self-loathing, war, violence, you know, resentment, pride, everything, the whole list. I could see all of the pain underneath it in my whole existence and all the ways I've ever been interwoven with the collective of humanity. So I could see all of this pain and every speck of pain that I could see was like a living entity looking back at me, knowing that I had rejected it. So you can imagine if you go and you open your door and there's a small child there that is malnourished, that's weeping, that's completely wounded from being rejected, entirely rejected. And you know that that child would act out in some way in fear, right? Uh, Or defense or some way. If you looked at the child's behavior rather than that rejected child's origins, you, you miss the point, right? And this is what we do. We look at the behavior. We just look at the superficial thing. If we were to open the door and see this child and think, how could I ever have not accepted this or embraced this as part of me, as part of my being, as part of my life. So the forgiveness comes in for that point of this pain that's right here, all within, and we have notoriously rejected it. And so all of that forgiveness always comes down to seeing that level of what we're meant to embrace, what we're meant to hold and include. And it is in embracing this as part mm-hmm. of our wholeness, our wholeness that then leads to that healing. That's where the forgiveness and the healing comes in. This is exactly how I saw it in my metaphysical event. Wow. That is so, it's so beautiful. And it's, it's cause it's, it's the, it's just seeing, like you said, from seeing it all as one, all coming from within you and, you know, just embracing what you've been rejecting uh, of yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause there is only one. There is only and, one. And we have the, you know, the cycle of the loop of human suffering comes from this chronic conditioned way of rejecting what we don't like. It's mm-hmm. the nature of pain to be rejected. But that pain again is only coming from a belief that we're separate And so we're crying out for this union with divine love. And it's that cry that we reject in our good trumps bad model of life. And we know this is our model of life because that's our standard story paradigm, right? Yes, yes. Good trumps evil. Yes. Love trumps hate. Yes. And think about what the response was to the Trump election. The man (laughs) Trump, right? (laughs) I talk about this in in my, my talks that... The mental construct of Trump and the man Trump became the number one thing on the planetary radar screen three days after I ended my very popular tour talking about the suffering that's inherent in the good Trump's bad model of life. Right. It was spectacular, the timing. But yes, yes. Um, anyway, it's this model that we've set up in our, rather than everything being an equal part and possibility of life, that we've set it up in the good trumps bad, and that is not love. This is, you know, last year, you may remember, I framed my whole tour around a question, which was, if love is all we need, if love is all there is, then why can't love 
ever make our suffering go away? And the answer is because what we're using as love isn't love. It's the mental construct of love is actually rejection. We're not trying to love it to heal it. We're trying to love it to make it go away. We can't do that. We can't make one part of life make another part of life go away. It's all life. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. So it is in accepting all of this stuff. And I like the way that um, Adya Shanti has said in terms of things that, that cause us our suffering, there's a difference between embracing and indulging. Mm. Right? Okay. But we can embrace our fear and our judgment and own that we have these things. But there's a difference between embracing it and, and indulging it right? Mm-hmm. Living by that and just right. accepting that it's an equal part of life. Right. So, mm-hmm. yes. I think that's a good distinction to make. Yes. Yes. Cause I think one, the, the distinction is I think one transcends the other. Like when, mm-hmm. yes. So when you embrace it, it actually transcends it, you know? Right. It, it, yes. It heals it. Right. You know, it heals that child at that door. Yeah. It allows that child to be here instead of rejecting that child. And I like the way that Muji has talked about this same idea of of embracing rather than indulging. He talks about becoming the sky. When you realize that you're the sky and all of these various things are just the clouds passing by, but they're just the clouds passing by. It's all part of the sky, but mm-hmm. we're not identified with this sky or this mm-hmm. cloud, and cloud. This cloud or judging that cloud and that cloud. It's just the clouds passing by. So we, when we can get into that more expanded state of embrace of everything that goes by, then we can enjoy the clouds and the rainbows and the birds and, you know, yes. everything that we can see in the part of life. Yes. Yes. And see, and seeing the beauty in it all, seeing the beauty in it all. Yes. yes. And, and the wonder. And yes. the wonder, this is what I'm seeing right now. I'm enjoying this state of, good Lord, look at what all we do. Like, yes. look at all of life. It's yes. really spectacular. And all of these mind-boggling changes that are going on that 100 years ago, none of this would have been predicted. None of, none of what we're seeing right now in terms of, you know, uh, uh, technology, right? Yes. Look at you and I talking. Yes. Parts of the world on video. We're not supervised by a production company or whatever. We're able to um, express ourselves as we are because technology has facilitated the collective coming together. It's so mind-boggling. It is. It is. beautiful. It is. I mean, I would never think I would be doing an internet radio show which goes globally uh from my home office you know right? who who would have thunk it yeah <laughs> you know? a beautiful home office by the way oh well thank you and you have been <laughs> in my home office. i have yes i, I can tell your listeners it's really beautiful well thank you so much thank you and this is it is it's so wonderful because even today i i've been today i've just been really i've been looking outside a lot and just loving this day because one minute the sun is shining and now right now i'm telling you as i'm speaking it is like starting to pour with little flakes of snow and oh, but, uh, nice. uh, yeah but it's been doing off and on this this dance of off and on sun rain sun rain and i've been just i've been marveling it in it all day i was like this is beautiful because this mm-hmm. is life one is minute, that one minute there's sun next minute there's rain and you have I love them both, whether, mm-hmm. no matter what the weather is doing, I'm like, thank you. Just I as you started it. talking about that yes. and said there are flakes of snow, the sun broke through where I am. <laughs> <laughs> it literally, now it's, it's lighting up a fern that's in front of me. That's yes. very funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. And we know there are no coincidences. So that's right. It, yes. That's right. So wonderful. So please tell us more now. Um, I know you're you're working on your screenplay and and producing that, but tell us more. You say this that you plan to stay this year in the states, and and what are your plans here in the states? Yeah, well, I'm working on my next book. Um, I've, you know, uh, I I am very much live a surrendered kind of life. I really, um, I always talk about that. You know we're constantly trying to push on a door that says pull. And uh, yes. so I really live my life just letting that life come to me now. I'm very guided in it. 
and uh, a couple of times I keep uh, getting inspiration to write and then it just kind of drops away and then the world changes and then I get inspiration to write again and then so now I'm in this place of now I'm ready to pick back up on the writing so I'll probably um, if if the stars align, I will hopefully finish my book over the winter. I have a place um, uh, and offered to stay here in Michigan. I'm actually in Michigan right now to okay. stay for the winter. And so I'll be working on that. And then I have several people that are working on different events with me for next year. Different. I'm going to be doing a few different kinds of things in the coming year. Probably okay. more retreats. I did my uh, first um, individualized retreat this year, and um, which was just a one-day a small retreat with a small group and so I will probably be doing some retreats in the coming year but in sort of different groups there's a person who has a, a wonderful uh, organization called Calm Clarity a mm -hmm. really great program which uses science to help people sort of progress from what she calls brain 1.0 brain 2.0 to brain 3.0 which is the more mindful state and a collaborative um, so she works a lot with businesses, business leaders. Mm -hmm. We're talking about some things that we might be able to do together to kind of marry um, science and mysticism um, the, together. And then there's a few other organizations that have approached me about possibility of, you know, some speaking engagements. So rather than limiting myself to the summer months um, or the, the end of summer, which is normally monsoon season in India, okay. I think I'm probably going to expand it so that I can um, do more work now in America. And, you know, my time in India from the very beginning has been about having the place where I could finally just go and, have all of this information come to me and get used to being a leading a spiritual life before that I read I, I sort of led the normal executive life in in uh, Washington and Europe and Africa and other places uh, but I needed to understand how to be a mystic right mm -hmm. how to use and work with and talk about all of the things that have been happening to me and so my community in India was really important and very precious in that process of holding me as all of that work came together. So I was able to understand what was happening to me. I was able to sort of live in my own body and, and mind and spirit finally, and then write my book and then release my book and start edging out publicly more and more and more. So the, the, um, the purpose of my life in India has shifted slowly, slowly, slowly. So this last year, for example, this year I was in, uh, rather than being in the north in the nunnery up in the mountains, I was in the south in a Christian ashram, and which was, there's no mountains, there's no, like it was very, very quiet and very isolated. So I spent most of that four months in silence mm -hmm. on my own. And so it was really valuable for me to have that integrative time over these last few years. And now, uh, you know, my needs are a little different. I'm ready now to take this out. And India will probably now uh, begin to be more of the retreat time rather than the working time. And, uh, but I say that, I have right. no idea what the future holds, but this is how it feels to me right now that right. Uh, I have enough understanding now and uh, the doors are opening more and more now. And that's my sign that the yes. universe is ready for me to come out more publicly and wow. work with more people. So this is where I'm at. And it started this year when I didn't mean to, to go out and do tours. Right. Uh, I had an invitation to do three events in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, three places that I'd never been, communities I'd never met. And I had three beautiful experiences within a week in, right. uh, in those communities. And so this is how it happens. When the doors open, yes. I go where I'm led, and then good things happen. Yes, yes. Well, I, I totally can identify with that. Um, like I said, I started my show now. It's going on two, two and a half years ago. Just spirit got me up at the middle of the night. Just do it. Start an internet radio show. And I'm like, I don't know how, but I'll do it. You know? And so. Yeah, and, just start walking. Yeah, mm -hmm. just just listen. You know, Everyone knows when spirit is nudging you to do something. And we mm -hmm. always. We let our mind get in the way and like, oh, I don't have the money. I don't have the resource. I don't have this. Blah, blah, blah. And that's our mind. That's the, I don't yeah. know how. I don't know how. I don't right. know how. Right. Yeah, exactly. Really well. yeah. exactly. But exactly like you said, I, I really don't know where this, I, 
I am feeling so inspired for this new coming year, but I don't exactly know exactly where it's going to lead. I'm just going to, every step of the way, it's just going to be spirit led and in the moment. So mm-hmm. I, I'm very excited. And I, I have started my first book. Um, I was encouraged. Oh, congratulations. To, yeah. I was encouraged by listeners to write a book and also from, um, my my son on the other side when i had a reading um he said mom you have a book in you and also my cousin she's been saying for years you need to write a book so with uh, listeners my cousin and my son especially from my son who's on the other side telling me mom to write a book and um I just put out one little feeler and I already have a publisher. I haven't written the book yet. I've started. I have a title and I have an outline, uh, but I already have a publisher interested in the book. And so that is, that's amazing. That's awesome. Congratulations. I can, you know, as uh, someone who had to get my book out, right. It just was within me. It's such a cathartic process and it's, uh, it's a really healing and helpful internal conversation you know and then you know revealing all of that publicly is so good and i get messages all the time about how helpful it's been that i shared my truth and when we share our truths it opens up the you know the the it mirrors for other people what's happening and i've you know since my book is released hundreds of, of people have given me that feedback and so You'll help a lot of people in telling your story and telling your truth. Yes, yes. And, and that's partly, all the best. thank you, thank you. That's partly what this show is about too, is I, me sharing my truth and having guests come on and share their truth with listeners. That's, you know, that was pretty much the whole foundation for this show is just by sharing my truth, it, hopefully it can inspire another to, to their own truth. To mm-hmm. go within and, and, and find their own truth. So, so, yes. I want to say, um, I'm yeah. glad to see you doing video now uh, with your yes. show as well, because it just adds a whole other dimension. Yes, and that's it really does. nice for listeners. Yes. I think it's really because we convey things through our physical senses as well, not just our voice. So you've added a, a whole other layer, and that's really yes. nice. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yes. So like I said, um, the show, I've been doing the show now two, almost two and a half years now, and this whole year, the majority of 2017, I've been doing video. So yeah, it's good. I, I love it. I love it. Yes. Now, share, please, share with our listeners your website and also your YouTube channel where they can find your videos and more about you and where they, maybe you're in their area speaking and they can actually come and hear you in person. That's great. Thanks. Um, My website is unwittingmystic.com and on there, there is um, a tab for upcoming events. I don't have anything listed for 2018 yet. Um, I just finished last weekend, my um, last talk for 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, you can see where I've been, what kind of places I've been. And then there's an invite Mary tab that you can do on there for interviews or, um, speaking engagements or panels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my YouTube channel is just, uh, I think it's just Mary Reed. Um, but you can type in my name and unwitting mystic and that channel will come up. And okay. one of the videos that I think is really, really helpful for people, um, to really get a good sense of the kind, well, this one that I'm putting up on Saturday will be very, very helpful. But one that's been really popular for people to really get a good understanding of what happens to me in the mystical experiences, I walk people very carefully through um, a big metaphysical event from last year, and that video is called What Love Really Is. And I think that's very helpful for viewers. Um, And then, um, yeah, that's, and then they can get my book on, either my website or right. Amazon, either mm-hmm. one, and digital or paperback, either one. Right, yep. And also on Awake to Oneness Radio um, YouTube, I have your um, whole entire um, speaking engagement that you gave here in the that's Poconos right. from last that's October. Right. So that that's, one the few, that's one of the few that has Q&A included. Yeah. Yes. It's really rare. I, so nobody ever records my Q&As, which I always uh, try to do a talk followed by Q&A because there's always right. a lot of questions that come out of it. 
Right. Which reminds me, on the video that I'm going to release on Saturday, there's I'm going to release two, coming home mm-hmm. from love and then the box exercise with it. That box exercise will include Q&A, and it includes a lot of the common questions um, that I get that I'll answer as well. And awesome. so that's also kind of a rare thing. So, awesome. Yeah. Very good. So that's great. And I'll make sure that in the, um, I'll have links for all of the videos we've done together. Your, your, in this, in this video, there'll be links to those okay. videos as well. But also the, I would love for you, we were just talking about practical tools that we can share with our listeners. Can you share with our listeners one practical tool that they can take home with them from this from this uh, encounter right here? Uh, in the in the exercise that I'm going to work with uh, everybody on in the, the box exercise, mm-hmm. and in my whole talk, I talk about everything that's in our mind. We have a lot of stuff in our mind. In the box exercise, I actually have people write down the various, a long list of things that identify me, Mm -hmm. right? The I. And that I is associated, of course, with everything that's in my mind. My past, my memories, my identity, my titles, my roles, my labels, um, my worries, my stresses, um, my opinions. Um, all kinds of things and then of course all of the emotions fear and judgment and uh, blame and anger and all of these all of these things when you look at everything that's in our mind Mm -hmm. and you realize that this is who we call me if we can get to a place where we can set that aside for a few minutes where we can just as Muji says, leave it out in the hallway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When we can set that aside for just a few minutes and we can rest, we just give our mind and body a rest, right? Just give it a little break. And we can breathe into our heart. And we can quiet that chatter that exhausts us in trying to keep that identity of me going. When we can get into our mind, our heart space, quietly and we can breathe into that space and we've let all of this rest what we find is another place where i exist apart from all of this other but when we get to that i we can't separate from any other i around us that's that space that we're in in our heart is so vast that we can't tell where we begin and where anybody else around us begins or ends or whatever. And when we really can practice getting into this heart space and we can see the vastness of it and we can see the equanimity of it, that there's not the moral good or bad in there. There's not um, a separate you that's in there. It's not religious. It's not a belief, right? It's a presence. And the more we can settle into this presence that we already are, we can feel that presence of divine love. We can feel that unconditional space. We can feel that equal and free and unified acceptance of everything about ourselves. And the more we can settle into that, the more we realize that any response that comes from this equanimous state will always have the highest good for all concerned as its outcome. That we can't do anything just for ourselves in this space. We know that everything that we do affects everything else. And so the practical exercise that we can do is taking just a second, even if it's just a minute, and then we work it up to maybe two minutes, and then five minutes, and then 10 minutes, and we recondition ourselves to the habit of coming back to this heart space, quieting all of this. The more we give our mind a break, the more we are able to really cope with life so much easier. And we're not trying to get rid of all of these things in our mind. We have a very precious mind. But the goal is to have everything in our mind in service to this divine presence. 
And when we get that, when we get that reversed, everything becomes so much easier. We realize we don't have to keep pushing on that door that says pull. This is the state from which we can just allow. And so the practical exercise is that awareness of dropping into the heart. Even if it's just a breath, if that's the best you can do, just a breath in the moment, and then a minute, and then five minutes, and then walking around doing a task in our, ho- our house from the heart space, more and more and more. That's the really practical thing. It really is an exercise, too, because we're just naturally conditioned to operate autopilot, right? We want to get the autopilot to be this, the heart space. And we can easily do it. It's just a matter of our attention. There's a difference between awareness and attention. Mm -hmm. We have our awareness and all of this stuff. We also have our attention on it. Mm -hmm. We may be aware that we have this, but we're not attending to it. So when we start putting our attention in our heart awareness, then things begin to shift. And we literally begin to um, alchemize our, our body patterns. The more we alchemize our body patterns, we shift those responses, right? We're not in the same standards. Remember I was talking about interpreting these patterns with these patterns. When we shift these patterns, this begins to look differently, right? So we begin to shift these patterns the more we can drop into our heart space. This is how it's done. You can hear when we stop talking and we think about the heart space, we can hear that place of listening that quiet stillness, right? This is why we, we're so happy when we go into nature. When we go in among the trees, everything gets quiet. It's a place of no resistance. It's a place in which we can receive. This is where we're trying to get to. Oh, wow. That is, you, you put it so beautifully, so beautifully. Like Abraham Hicks always says, everything you want is downstream. Just let, allowing yourself, I love that. And I remind myself, everything is downstream. There's nothing to resist. Let, your, or let, your, let yourself float up to the top. Let yourself go and drift downstream. Mm. So, yes. And so, yes, that is so beautiful. And the words I am, when I hear people use the words I am and then say something, what we label, <laughs> what we yeah. label as not so positive after the words I am, because I, I know how powerful those words are. Those are the words of creation, I am. But it's so true. It's by the stillness, taking time to be in the stillness. And like you said, sometimes it's for a minute or two, however long, but to try to get that in a practice of daily practice of just Going you, with yes. Caroline, this relates to our, our inquiry of willingness. Am I really willing? Because people say, oh, I don't have time. I've got a busy job. I've got kids. We have 1,440 minutes in every day. 1,440 minutes. That's a lot of minutes. <laughs> sure, yes. we've got 10 minutes three times a day or 30 minutes here. If we start with one minute three times a day, we go to five minutes, three times a day, we go to 10 minutes, three times a day, we go to 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. And if we can't do it, then we have to ask ourselves, am I really willing? Mm -hmm. This is where the, you know, the rubber meets the road. If you're not really willing, you won't find that time. If you're really willing, you've got more than enough time. Yes. Right. This is all about shifting our priorities and our thinking and condition getting out of these conditioned ways of autopilot life right if we really want the change then we're that's when we're really going to be ready that's when we're really going to be willing this is so true so true and and the and and i know from experience the more we do the easier it it, the more we, we it just gets easier and easier and then you actually start to witness the change and the another good point very good point you brought up is how we respond to the outer oh that's the whole key yeah yes that's the whole key i talk about you know everything that's up in our awareness now all of this pain that we're experiencing in our world the things that look painful to us that that upset us sometimes that pain is 
pride and boastfulness that we're finally being heard. And sometimes that pain is blame and resentment and how could you even think that way? And sometimes that pain is expressed in gun violence and racial violence and gender violence and all of these things, all of these things that are up in our awareness. None of them just started. Right. They've all been here. Right. All of that pain is yeah. here. And this is our truth. Yeah. This is the truth of who we are. This is the truth of everything we're experiencing. So whatever we feel is okay to feel because that's our truth. And we are no longer denying our truth. It's also okay to feel all this because this is not our stopping point. Mm-hmm. Our work is in the response to everything that we see and everything that we feel. As long as we continue to respond from the mental constructs that are creating the pain in the first place, we continue that momentum of pain. But as soon as we learn and we are willing to respond to all of this within our own field, within our own awareness, from a place of divine love, then an infinite range of possibilities for alternatives begin to open up. This is how the shift is happening. And I always talk about the very easy example of alternatives to what happening, what's happening. I can use the very easy example of Malala Yousafzai. I think I've talked with you about this before. Malala Yousafzai was the 12-year-old girl that was shot in the head by the, the Taliban in Pakistan for promoting education for girls. And she was once asked, do you know the person who shot you? And she said, I wasn't shot by a person. I was shot by an ideology. And she knew that her response could not be that same ideology of domination and power that that hit her. She didn't go to the United Nations and say, we need to resist. We need to fight the Taliban. She went to the United Nations and said, we need to make education for girls a priority. Her response to this tragic thing that happened was not hatred, was not power and domination or resistance. Her response was aligned with divine love, with equality and freedom and unity. And so this is the way that, and she made a profound ripple, right? She made a profound ripple in the world. This is what we all have the capability in the ripple effects of our individual willingness. This is what I was saying earlier about you know, the knotted threads, when we're willing, we untangle those threads and the flow just opens up beautifully and allows everything to come up to be met with that response of divine love. And that's what we're crying out for. That's what every speck of pain that we see in our world is, a cry for union with divine love. And we are that divine love that things are seeking to unite with. That home is only within us. And so this is what I'm standing on my platform telling people this year happily proudly oh wow I, that is so 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 and even um when you, when you were speaking I, my thoughts came to donald trump president i call him the the donald the donald uh but when um he got elected there was something within me that was saying this is needed to stir up all the like you said, oh, he's such to, a catalyst to feel to fit. It's time for us to feel those emotions, whatever we're feeling, it needs to be stirred up and it needs to come up. And mm-hmm. I felt he, like you said, was the catalyst because that's what was my when I I didn't even find out right away. I did vote, I wrote in Bernie because <laughs> that's who yeah i wrote in bernie and uh, i don't watch the news i stopped watching news in 2001 right after 9 11 spirit told me turn off the news don't ever turn it back on and i didn't even know why at the time i just was obedient just <laughs> um and so i didn't know who won it was my seven-year-old um piano student that told me he came in for his piano lesson the next day after the election and he says I'm sad. And I'm like, he's seven. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's the matter? He's like, Donald Trump won. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's all good. I just, I kind of chuckled to myself because I'm thinking, I before I knew, I, I kind of sensed that he had won. And, but spirit, as soon as I sensed he won, spirit was just, yeah, this is what we need. And, and when I, I'm not political at all. I, I voted maybe three times in my entire life. I'm not a political person. Politics doesn't interest me in the least, but I know what happens happens for a reason. And Mm -hmm. he, and he was elected for a reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yes. You know, um, Marianne Williamson, uh, I know that she can be quite divisive at times in her sort of, uh, she's kind of an aggressive lover <laughs> of, yes. of everything, right? She's, I, I appreciate her spirit so much, but uh, yeah. I know that she can be quite divisive. And one of the things that she said was that um, if you're not involved in politics, if you're not political now, then you're contributing to the problem. And, you know, I, which I found quite a, Quite, quite a divisive statement. But then I was thinking, you know, that de that would depend on how you how you define political, right? Because uh, we can uh, po politics or political is a human made word, and we can give it any kind of definition, narrow or broad, that we seek. And I think the kind of work that you and I do in going out and trying to heal the causes of the pain that's underneath a lot of the political um, discord is political right. Okay. right we don't have to be standing up there voting and all of this sort of stuff yes. but if we're involved in the things that are at the root of the very um you know oppositional kinds of things that go on in politics um i'm okay yeah. with that okay. i'm okay with i'm okay with not going out with a placard and uh resisting right it's, it's, right this is what i i um i don't adhere to a lot of the instructional things that some of the spiritual teachers demand that we go right. out and do and if you're not this then you're that i don't i don't adhere to that at all but at the same right. time if we just expand our thinking about that a little bit we can all find that common ground yes 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 and it's so true um for me there's there's no there's no dogma in what i believe what feels right for a person so what I love that cup. I always see that. That's your favorite I know, cup. <laughs> you got your cup. You got your cup. My cup, cup of love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, whatever to me, I my my um suggestion or recommendation or if if I call it a recommendation, what feels right. So if if it, feel, if it feels right to go out on a picket line or or you really go uh, all out promoting a candidate or that's what feels right hey go do it but i have never felt quote unquote politically motivated um, like i said i've only voted three times in my life and and i i only vote um vote when i feel motivated to mm -hmm. do so well i don't know, feel motivated. I, I, yeah i don't yeah. blame you and i always tell people especially this year i get a lot of questions about how can I be an activist without seeming like I'm rejecting what's happening? And mm -hmm. I always tell people, find the impulse of joy in doing it. And if you, if you find it joyful to be an activist, go with it. If you right. find it joyful to just do your other work in this little section of the world and your, your, your heart is content, then go for it. Exactly. Right? I mean, look at, um, what happened with the women's march the day after the inauguration? Those women were not necessarily political women. It happened, popped up all over the world. This huge, peaceful, mobilizing right. event that the what came out of that was such the swell of joy. Yes. Right. It yes. wasn't a swell of anger or all of that. The what the palpable feel was around the world was a sense of joy. In, mm -hmm. in the togetherness of that. And yes. so some people would say that was a political act. Some would say it was just a community act. Some would say it was just an expression of joyful presence with yes. other people, right? Yes. Yes. But the key is that it was a joyful experience for the people that participated. And it made such a profound swelling impact and ripple on our world. So we know that these kinds of peaceful gatherings and mobilizing things led by women Yes. is really possible in our world and maybe we'll see something like that with you know more of an action-oriented outcome i don't know but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think there's really clear evidence of the impact that we can have when we address something from a peaceful joyful perspective rather than a, an aggressive resistance domination rejecting kind of paradigm the two have very different streams energy. that they operate. Yeah, they, have, they do. It, it's all about the energy. So that, that is so true. If, if you're doing something with the joy and, and from, the, from love and from the heart, go for it. 
because that that that's the energy behind what you're doing is what matters and like you said that resistant energy that but that's that's and we need to do it we need to do it with the mannerisms that you're doing this joyful good loving like that's so like convincing like we know that this is what we want to do it's almost like a hug of the world right yes yeah yeah if you get that feeling you do it yes exactly exactly <laughs> oh mary this has been an amazing hour i just everybody has a lot i mean just everybody must see this video so it's just it's so, so amazing i know it's like it's yeah where did it go and guess what the sun is shining now of course <laughs> it was i mean i'm serious it was hailing a few minutes ago and mm -hmm. i mean wind hail everything now the sun is shining <laughs> this is that's the kind of day i love this day because this day is life you know now just as i say it the, a cloud just covered the sun it's like okay <laughs> mm -hmm. But this has been amazing. And if you're ever in Pennsylvania, you must let me know. Wherever you are in Pennsylvania, I will come see you. Okay? I have you, to be in the northern part. I was just in sort of the southern part uh, around okay. Philly. Yeah, okay. I okay. Hey, I go to I, I go um, Philly's two hours away. I can get to Philly. <laughs> no problem. Okay. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Caroline. So and I want to say also to you, thank you for all of the work that you continue to do to lift us up, to dim disseminate information, to help us know about other people and what's happening. Um, the spiritual voices in our world. Thank you for lifting yes. them up for all of us to hear. God bless you, my child. Well, thank you. And God bless you. You are such... Thank you so much. Love yeah. you so much. Okay. Much love to you, darling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Namaste. Namaste.